Welcome to Vets Beyond the Uniform, a weekly podcast that focuses on helping veterans successfully find and integrate into new careers after leaving the military service. Listen in as our host and guest experts share key insights on the successful programs helping veterans to enter and thrive in the civilian workforce. For more information after the program, please visit us at VetsBeyondTheUniform.com. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Vets Beyond the Uniform podcast. I am Mally Mancia, and joining me today from Vets Beyond the Uniform, I have Paul Savalani and Dave Beadle. On today's show, Paul and Dave will be talking with Nick Morgan, president of Adaptive Construction Solutions. Welcome, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you for having us, Mally. Great to be part of this. Hey, Nick, thanks for coming today, and I'm going to kind of kick this off. You and I talked a little bit about it before the show. You are an Army veteran, so we're real curious as to tell us a little bit about maybe, you know, your journey in the Army, kind of what you did, and then some of the obstacles, if you had, as you transitioned out of the Army and then become the founder and president of ACS. Yeah, um, you know, pretty typical story. Did a little community college uh, after high school. Always had the interest to join the military. Um, you know, my father, his brother, my grandfather, and his brothers all served. And so I joined the Army in late 99 and went to basic training. Uh, had it easy. Went to Fort Jackson, Laxon Jackson, and uh, went on to Fort Huachuca to become an intelligence analyst and then jump school and then off to Fort Bragg. Uh, so I served in the 82nd and was there for September 11th. And uh, shortly after that, did some work at the National Ground Intelligence Center and finished my first four years uh, in Korea and Yongsong. So again, had an easy tour and uh, transitioned out in uh, January of 2004 uh, for a little short break, uh, 18 months, went into the insurance business, uh, working for my, my mother and, and, um, you know, sure enough, fine print, uh, and on your contract, it got activated from the IR, uh, in summer of 2005. Uh, but you know, I was a young man still, you know, 25, 26 years old. So I kind of was eager to get in the fight. It was a little hard pill to swallow, uh, at that age, uh, not deploying uh, with the 82nd um, uh, into Iraq. So I uh, was activated and went to uh, uh, met up with my unit, uh, which was a National Guard unit from Baton Rouge, the 415th, uh, which had been reclassified to do uh, tactical uh, exploitation. Uh, so it was a human intelligence unit in, in Iraq. Um, so 2005 and six, I was in Iraq. We had a really interesting mission doing the human work for about half of the half of the country and uh, had teams deployed in Ramadi, Fallujah, down Diwaniya, all through Baghdad and Al-Qut. And then when I was leading a mission in southern Baghdad in 2006, I got hit by an EFP. So, uh, you know, that was, that was, we were really lucky. All three of us survived um, in our vehicle. And uh, after a few months in the hospital, I was able to talk my way back to my unit, which I just had a desk job for the last three months while we were in country before we demobilized. Wow. And how did you go from there 
when you transitioned out over to your final, I believe it's your final destination of being um, the president of ACS. Well, you know, it's interesting. So we get to Fort Dix and, you know, again, uh, nobody really knew what to do with those, you know, augmentees, IAR guys. And so, uh, you know, even though I was still, uh, you know, taking three or four Vicodin a day and, and, and muscle relaxers and everything else for my back and, and brain injury, uh, concussions, uh, you know, I didn't even have a, a medical separation. They just uh, sent me on the way. You know, my unit went back to Fort uh, to, uh, to to Baton Rouge and and I was just left kind of well what's next so came back to Houston um, and uh, I actually decided to to start my own business because uh, I was still in and out of the VA four or five times a um, a month at a minimum and I just knew it was going to be a hard time finding a job so I started a commercial insurance agency and fortunately was able to to grow that business over the next ten years and got to a point in my life where I just figured, Hey, you know, I, I do need something more. Uh, one of my former soldiers, unfortunately, she uh, decided to take her life. And, and that's where uh, I just felt some personal responsibility that, Hey, I need to come up with a solution to help transition veterans into, into jobs to help manage the, the stress that comes with transitioning. Right. So I also got involved in the veteran community, started doing some silky marches, uh, with the reverent warriors and, and ran into it, met a guy, uh, you know, Juan Carlos Polito, who uh, was as a Marine and, and now a really close friend, but we became friends through the silky marches. And, and then uh, when I had this idea to, to start an apprenticeship program for veterans to meet the needs of some of my insurance customers, uh, Carlos was game to, to join up. And so in 2016, we started ACS. For the for the sake of our listeners that may not know what a silky march is, can you kind of explain that? Because I'm sure there's a lot of thoughts and connotations of what that means. Yeah, you know, I mean, the community's locked into this this idea that you know there's 22 veterans that unfortunately make the decision to take their lives uh, every day. We don't know what that number really is, and and it could be a lot larger. Um, and that's for another podcast. But you know. We we all very concerned about it, and that's why we decided to get up together uh, for our own mental health as well as those of our our buddies and say, look, let's let's just wind the clock back a little bit and let's uh, experience some of the camaraderie that we we've had in the past, and and let's recognize that uh, you know we need a bigger network of veterans that we feel comfortable being who we are. So it's 22 kilometer ruck march, right? And uh, Generally, you know, ranger panties or marine silkies, right? And uh, and that's it. That and boots, and then a twenty kilogram, twenty-two kilogram rucksack. And we try to stop as many bars on the way, and try to also police up anybody who just can't hold their liquor anymore. And uh, <laughs> you know, we tell a lot of stories, and we we have a good time, and we try to, you know, not make too big of a fool to ourselves to the public, but you know, really feel comfortable in our own skin. Ah. Oh. That's pretty awesome. I, I personally, as a sailor, I had never heard about that because we're limited to how much, how long we can hike on a ship. So uh, I think that's pretty, uh, pretty interesting. So uh, one of the reasons that you're here today is because ACS was designated as a veteran-focused employer, which is an awesome achievement. We're, I think Dave's going to dig into that a little bit in a minute, but tell us a little bit about ACS itself. Tell us about what your service is. You know, how many employees do you do you have? And maybe, you know, 
how does that work? And I know you also do some stuff with the Department of Labor in Texas. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, so uh, ACS, we're a workforce development firm. Uh, we employ 21 uh, full-time employees, of which 14 are veterans. Uh, we have every branch um, amongst the, the 14 of us. Unfortunately, right now, we're, we're, I'm a little outnumbered by Marines. But the uh, ACS, so uh, what, we do, <laughs> what we do at ACS is we operate a registered apprenticeship program for employers and for, for veterans. To make it clear, nobody pays for any services, no, not a single veteran or, or even the non-veterans that come to our office. There's not one dime of cost to them. And what we do is we place them into jobs and we get them trained up in their new career while they're earning a paycheck. So while they're sitting in class, even for four weeks, they're getting paid every single hour while they're in class. And then, uh, you know, they transition into the field doing their new draw, uh, job in 15 or 16 different uh, occupations and uh, they're, they're getting pay increases along the way. And one of the key parts about this is, you know, we get Department of Labor to help us with our program costs. Sometimes employers chip in depending on what they need us to do. And then in addition to that, veterans, they can utilize their GI Bill. Again, it doesn't pay for the training point. We do not use the GI Bill to pay for training, but they get their monthly allowance on top of their apprentice wage. So depending on where you are in the country, you know, maybe uh, starting over in a new career, maybe you're starting at $15, $16, $18 an hour, but you're also getting maybe $16, $18, $2,200 from your GI Bill on top of that. And then with an apprenticeship, you're getting pay raises along the way, and then that GI Bill slowly decreases, and you, you don't even have to use it. It's just some, an option to help be a financial bridge to entering a new career. That's, that's pretty amazing. So, Nick, Dave Beadle here. So um, I want to explore a little bit more this idea of the, of the apprenticeship as, as a route. Um, I've been working with transitioning service members since about 2011, and admittedly, most of the work I've been do- doing is uh, in corporate America uh, where folks are looking for a job coming out of the military. And you just uh, you don't seem to hear that much about apprenticeships. Tell us a little bit more about what, what the apprenticeship route can really do and, and what sorts of, of folks you see. What's the demographic of the veterans that are coming through your apprenticeship programs? Yeah, so uh, let me hit the demographic first. Um, you know, we believe that uh, or we're, we're kind of exhausted with this concept that just because you did this in the military, that's what you should be doing on the outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so many – individuals might have been 17, 18 when they joined. Um, and they just weren't as well informed or this was the option they got. And they, they don't want to do it. And so really, we look for everything. The one exception to that is maybe sometimes when some of our employers need mechanics, we want to see that they did something mechanical in the military uh, for some of those employers. But for the most part, I mean, especially combat arms. We love getting those folks in because they embrace the suck. They know what it means to be miserable and then they want to work on a team, right? It doesn't mean the job is miserable, but you understand what really is a good day and a bad day. Right. So uh, those, I mean, and we have veterans that come into our programs that are in their late 40s, early 50s, and, and all the way down to just finished uh, basic training in AIT in their National Guard unit, right? So we got the full full range. Um, now, uh, you know, from what does – and the other part of it was, uh, I'm sorry, with the apprenticeship, what were uh, some of the major components? What, what yeah. is an apprenticeship truly? Well, there's five major pieces. You know, you have 
and any apprenticeship, and they'll range in length from one-year-long programs to two-, three-, four-year programs. First off, you got to remember, it's a job. If there's anything to leave today with is apprenticeship. If you're not getting a job on day one, it's not an apprenticeship program, okay? If, there's not, if they're not offering you employment, full-time, permanent employment, right? And so uh, that's number one, and, and, and you're going to get what's called on-the-job training. We all got that in the military. And it's just trying to be structured about it, which is what we're familiar with. So that's why veterans love this. Then you get related instruction, which is the classroom component, right? But it's not always in the classroom. It can be done e-learning virtually, uh, especially with COVID. It's really, you know, tested organizations to, to be creative and ways to do it. And we've always focused on trying to do a lot of that training up front so that that veteran gains confidence in their skill when they're now performing their job. You know, that that's a major... Uh, design feature of our program. So you got 144 hours of worth of training in the classroom type environment or virtually 2,000 hours of on-the-job training. And then you get mentorship, you get pay raises. So these are guaranteed pay raises. They're incremental pay increases. So as you go through a program, you know what you need to do to get promoted, just like in the military. And in the end, the big difference between military life and apprenticeship is you end up with a certification, a credential. And you can't get your program registered unless you can prove that this certification is industry recognized and nationally portable. That's pretty amazing, and I think there's there's a lot of really good stuff for veterans to uh, to latch onto there. I think a couple of key things that I took out of what you just said is there's a lot of similarity in the apprenticeship program to what people were used to being in the military. I know when I'm doing career coaching and talking to transitioning service members, one of the things I always have to explain to them is this: the differences. And a lot of that comes with the, the pay transparency and not knowing when the, the next pay raise is going to come from and things like that. So this is, this is definitely, I think, should be a very attractive avenue for a lot of folks. Are you finding that veterans are being drawn to the apprenticeship or are you having to kind of go out and look for folks? Well, we do have to look for them, um, and that's about a third of our team is doing outreach. But, you know, what we'll say is just a lot of people don't understand what apprenticeship is. And so there's a, also that, that uh, you know, we have to sit down with them and say, look, this is a job first. Everyone thinks this is a training program um, versus uh, it's, it's work and training. So um, once they understand that it's a job, then they get a lot more interested in it and they want to know more. Uh, you know, it's just after transitioning, many have gone to college and realized maybe this isn't the right path for them or, you know, uh, BAH and, and, and uh, isn't enough to pay the bills. Uh, they need to work. Well, this is an option for them to achieve both and do it around with other veterans, right, and, 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 a, and a mindset of, train, you know, train the trainer uh, type delivery of instruction and, and that, again, having that transparency of this is what it's going to look like. I'm not going to be taken advantage of. Right, right. Now, you're based in Texas. Do you provide services just in your state, or are you nationwide? So, you know, historically, uh, we've, you know, we worked in, in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, and a few other places. Uh, and we have apprentices that, um, depending on what they do, uh, do travel for work. Uh, majority of what we've done in the past has been in Texas, about 85% of our apprentices. But with that being said, currently, you know, we have a lot of other options, including like in Georgia, and we'll have some 
new programs in Arizona and Colorado soon. Um, so we're always expanding. Um, it's just making sure that we always have that employment piece figured out, right? So if we were just expanding to deliver training, that would be easy. But we want to make sure we have good employers that they're going to get a job first, and then we're going to start training them. Got it. So the employer component is really, really key. As you said uh, earlier, you were talking about that you can't have an apprenticeship program has to be um, recognized and certified in order for it to be part of part of what you offer. Is that correct? Right. So all of our apprenticeships are registered apprenticeships, which means uh, we're, we're uh, Department of Labor provides oversight, and we have to get our programs not just approved, but they monitor our programs, right, for outcomes. And so that's that registered component. So when you're talking to employers or, or other programs, you know, a veteran's going to want to know, is this a registered program? Because that's also if you want to leverage your GI Bill to help fill that financial gap of earning, you know, professional-level wages, uh, the registered apprenticeship makes it a lot easier for you to, to, to get the, those benefits. Got it. Got it. Now, one of the other things that we looked at when your organization submitted an application for um, our employer designation was what are you doing for employees within your own company? You had said that I believe it was about 15 out of 21 of your uh, employees are veterans themselves. So what kinds of things are you doing for them in terms of of training and opportunities? Well, you know, we're not going to promote the apprenticeship model without adopting it ourselves. So we have one of the only HR apprenticeships in the country. And again, that allows veterans who, you know, we bring in that come from all different MOSs, from chaplain assistance to, to you know, a forward observer. I mean, we have that all of them, right? And and uh, that work for ACS. And, and now they can learn a, a career in HR. Um, and HR is a very broad field. Um, so they get they get, you know, to have progressive wage uh, opportunity here at ACS, but also say, look, I need $60,000 a year starting because I have two kids after leaving the Navy. So, um, again, they get to leverage their benefits. And and I did fail to mention, they can also use folk rehab. You know, it doesn't even have to be their GI Bill. Oh, really? Okay, that's great. That's great. I, you know, the other thing I wanted, wanted to just to take note of here, when I hear apprenticeship, and this is coming from, from an old fart marine, I confess that, the first thing that pops into my mind is what my cousin did when he left the Army in the, in the 70s is he, he became a journeyman lineman. And so that's, in my mind, it's always like um, the, the labor-type jobs, the union blue-collar stuff. But you just talked about human resources, and human resources is a very in-demand field and not, I think, what people would typically think of as available as an apprenticeship. Right. I mean, there's a lot of new programs and occupations that aren't traditionally apprenticed, like in healthcare and IT. Um, we're about to register a new IT program for an employer here in Houston um, and are working with other large uh, uh, technology companies that have needs in, in other areas of the country. But there are existing IT apprenticeships uh, that veterans can find if that's what they're interested in. Uh, but everything from logistics, uh, uh, health care. Even Texas has a brewery that just created a registered apprenticeship, and it's actually a veteran brewery. I apologize. I don't remember the name, but they had just hired five veterans uh, to, to learn the brewery business. Oh, wow. I'm ready to sign up for that one myself. So yeah, I'm already signing up right now, Dave. <laughs> but no, that's great because we, you know, we come from, from San Diego. I'm now on the, on the East Coast, but uh, 
definitely a large community of brewers in the San Diego and several that are that are veteran owned, veteran operated. So uh, that's amazing. And I think that's a, that's another key message that we'd like to get out and help you get out is the fact that apprenticeships cover such a much broader um, scope of occupations out there that people didn't realize. I never would have thought brewery, but it makes total sense because it's like a lot of these other things. It's a craft you have to learn. And what if you if you're not doing it in your garage and in home brewing, how else are you going to learn that? So it makes it makes total sense that that would be a great one. Love to love to hear about that. But let's talk next about successes because when you have a program like this, what everybody wants to know is, okay, well, how well does it work? Can you tell us a little bit about the success you have in your program in terms of, of placements, how many people stay in those roles, um, and Maybe also we'll, we'll contrast that later with the challenges that you see going forward. Yeah, so the biggest number one success is first putting them into a job. Um, I, you know, I keep on hitting on that point, so we're not wasting their time. So they're all getting placed into a job. What we have found is many of the veterans who have entered the program do not finish the program, and, and there's a couple of reasons, one of which is they're earning credentials along the way. We don't hold those credentials until the end. They get it as theirs. We don't uh, indenture. I know that's an old term, but that does exist, where some apprenticeships say, if you leave the apprenticeship, this is another thing they need to check into. You know, am I going to be responsible for that training? Ours, they are not responsible for any costs of the training because, again, Department of Labor and employers helped us with that cost. But, um, you know, often they might be offered all of a sudden after six or eight months in the industry a position as a journey level worker somewhere else. And, and they may leave. You know, I, I, I believe that it's best to stick through with that first employer because they, they're investing in you and they're giving you a career pathway. But I'm also not going to get in the way when somebody all of a sudden offers you a hundred thousand dollar job uh, and you have two kids. So we do see a little bit of that, but I can't tell you how many folks, how many veterans have came through here 18 months later. They're like, look, I'm debt free. I'm buying a house. And I want to thank you. I'm like, don't thank me. You know, you're the one out there doing the hard work. And it's because of your success, that employer has hired 20 more people, right? Because you're the one out there doing what it takes to be successful. So, you know, really, you know, I, I talk about our program all the time. And one of the greatest honors I have is to share all the hard work of our team and, and also the grit and determination of the apprentices that are out there building America and making it great. Uh, that's, that's a great story. The other thing that you just highlighted on too is this is this can be a lot shorter pathway for transitioning service members to be earning a paycheck and actually getting themselves into a place of financial security as opposed to you know the traditional going to college route. And I'll, I'll confess that's what I did. I was uh, I was a motor T driver in in the Marine Corps, and when I left, uh, I had absolutely no desire or interest in ever driving a truck again. Um, so I spent the whole decade in college. So my pathway to get, you know, earning and, and being secure was a lot longer than the 18 months you just referenced. Um, so there's, there's a lot of really strong advantages to uh, veterans looking at apprenticeship programs. But what do you see as some of the things that are in the way of, of veterans looking at this as, as an option? Well, you know, one of the challenges is trying to find the right opportunity at the right time. <laughs> you know, so there are 1,300 occupations that are apprenticed around the country. Those 1,300 occupations are not in your backyard. So, you know, are you going to be willing to maybe relocate 
for the right apprenticeship opportunity. And a lot of programs will help with that. You know, we provide some assistance uh, to help the veteran relocate. Um, so that's number one. Uh, number two is is realizing, hey, I got to f- focus on this getting through this program and making them the best out of it, uh, even when you know uh, certain elements of your job you may not end up liking. But you got to realize the apprenticeship is really the first big step. It's not the end of your education. You know, a lot of apprenticeships you, you do uh, that the, when you complete an apprenticeship, a college will give you college credit um, for each year of the apprenticeship. In Texas, a lot of colleges will provide 15, 18 hours of college credit for, per year of registered apprenticeship. Um, and, and so the hope is that a lot of individuals then go back to school uh, and get a, a bachelor's degree. You know, maybe now they're halfway done. Uh, and that's how they're moving from, let's say they were an iron worker and they're like, look, I like being in the iron, on the iron, but I don't want to do it for the next 30 years. I can see the writing on the wall. My body's taking too much abuse, and I got maybe five or ten good years of me, and, but what's next? And so, you know, using this registered apprenticeship uh, as an opportunity to really propel you into an industry, who knows? You could be a future business owner, but now you know the business. You know the skill, right? And we all couldn't stand when we had a leader who didn't know how to do what we what we did, right? So mm-hmm. to be out there and learn those skills, and maybe you're only in the field for a year or two, and then you're on this pathway of moving up in the organization, uh, you have all that technical knowledge that your peers in the industry don't have. And that's a real value. But you got to see the program through to the end. Um, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fantastic point. And I want to kind of back up just a second here because you have an advantage over when you're hiring veterans. As you say, and, you know, as we, we kind of found out, you have a large group of um, veterans on board already. So when you get veterans' resumes in, you know, your team um, pretty much has an understanding of how to decipher those resumes. What advice can you give to veterans who are writing resumes that, that you know, that are, are searching for jobs that how they should tailor their resumes or, you know, how they should format their resumes to help employers um, identify the skills that they bring in? Well, I mean, first be really honest, you know, I mean, uh, we can get past a lot of things on a resume and it's um, in our organization, but when somebody comes in there and they put something on a resume, that's truly clearly not true. Uh, You know, just because they were in the military and they think they can get away with explaining it that way. I mean, we see it, and it's, mm-hmm. it's ridiculous when they do it. But so be honest on your resume. But just, it does need to be focused on what you're applying for, and keep it to one page. Two on the on. The, I mean, if you've been in, if you are 40s and or 50s, uh, you know, 50 years old, yeah, probably a two-page resume. But otherwise, try to do your best to keep it as one page. My resume is as one page. Uh, because nobody's going to take more than that time to look at it. And you really have to uh, uh, make sure you customize a, a couple pieces of that resume for the job that you're applying to. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good advice, Nick, and we really appreciate it. Uh, and unfortunately, we're, we're coming up on the hour. We're getting close to running out of time, so I'm going to pass this over to Maui to, as Dave says, take us on out of here. But, Nick, it's been a pleasure having you on board today. and. Um, uh, you should be very proud of what Adaptive Construction Solutions, Construction Solutions has done and everything that you are doing for veterans. Maui. 
Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Nick, for joining us as a guest today on our show. All links and contact information for Adaptive Construction pardon me, Adaptive Construction Solutions will be posted in the show description. Um, Paul and Dave, thank you again for another wonderful show today. As always, please feel free to check us out at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com or we can be reached via email at training at vetsbeyondtheuniform.com. Thank you for tuning in and listening and have a wonderful day, everyone. Always a pleasure. Be safe, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.